Taylor buddies, welcome back to the Gerald Field Report. Your eyes on the ground in Hillcrest City, Hillview City. I don't remember what the city is it's Hillview. called. It's Hillview City. Your boots on the ground in that place, bringing you the real scoop from the Jolly Ollie Man. Uh, they call me Old C.W. Hills. Joining me here is my good buddy, my best friend, Thony. How you doing, Thony? Good. Uh, yeah, they call me Thony. My name is Anthony. They do. But they call me no. Thony. <laughs> they uh, do. And, and it's I have great. no say in the matter. No, you really don't. And it's great because I I firmly believe that everyone has one special power, and mine is that when I give someone a nickname, that shit sticks. Because I started calling you Thony when I met you, and now people who have known you longer than I have call you that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Andrew Perry calls me Thony. I don't know how yep. that happened. Like, yeah. Like... And like I, I've always been the kind of person who like like my name is my name. I love my name. Right. My mom named me Anthony because she wanted to call me Tony. Uh, and they started trying to call me Tony at the beginning. And two year old right. Anthony is like, "This is not happening. Fuck you guys. Tony isn't my name. Anthony's my name." Uh, <laughs> Tiny little chubby middle fingers. <laughs> yeah. Well, screw you guys. Uh, but it, you know, as I've gotten older. Uh, I've realized that people are going to call me what they want to call me, and I feel like uh, Tony and Thony are both names of endearment, so it's only true. certain people. Uh, but there's something also about me that pe- makes people want to call me anything but my name. Uh, hmm. What you don't know, Casey, and this is a little bit mm-hmm. of a... Uh, there is an entire subgroup of friends that what? only refer to me as Annie and nothing what else. What the fuck? I think I've seen EJ do that once yeah, or e- twice. EJ is one of the people. Uh, EJ, EJ's. It's interesting because EJ was separate from the group that originally started it, but like, right. like the Thony kind of just moved through. Uh, and then there is another subsection of people that call me Frodo. Uh, right. That ends up. And and those are just like like if I'm hanging out with these people, those are the names I'm going by. Never right. ever my actual name. Welcome to the Anthony's Name Podcast, everybody. Well, what's interesting is EJ calls me Casey Ann sometimes, so I wonder if we're, like, linked in, in their mind. No, he calls you Casey Ann because of your guys' running joke where you give each other female middle names whenever you oh, yeah. whenever you That's yell right. at each other. Which is frequently. Well, anyway, welcome back to the, the nomenclature hour here with your hosts, Nomen and... Kratos, uh, so we are here to talk about Hey Arnold. We're going to get into a couple of pretty good episodes here. Season 1, Episode 8, at least by the Hulu Reckoning. Um, your episode listing may vary depending on where you are getting it. Sorry, guys, this is what we have to work with. So season we're, one, And we're not eight. using, we're definitely not using the original production order because no, as we which will has go been through, there are going to be episodes that are completely out of order. It's true. We've already had a couple of those, actually. The original episode order listing uh, was actually lost when Paris was taken by the Nazis. So Right after the great Dasani riots of 1965. Correct. Did you know that when Paris fell to the Nazis, uh, a pair of people escaped on a tandem bicycle, and that they had on that bicycle a basket, and in that basket there was a parcel, and that parcel was the manuscript for the very first Curious George book. Well, that's good. Yeah. Do you think if the manuscript was lost, Curious George wouldn't exist, or do you think they would have just rewritten the manuscript? 
I should I should like to think they would just have rewritten it. I don't want to conceive of a world without Curious George and his monkey shines. I used to write uh, really fucked up titles for Curious George books when I was in the eighth grade. That sounds about right. Curious George what? and the Electric Fence. Yeah. The the ending of that is, well, I guess Curious George isn't that curious anymore. Nope. Curiosity killed the George, but Satisfaction uh, did not bring him back because Satisfaction can cure a great many ills, but nerve damage he is not one of them. So, uh, Season 1, Episode 8, Part 1, The List. Do a quick breakdown here. It's a day at school. Arnold decides he's going to do the list. What is the list, you ask? It's the list of all the things kids love to do on a Saturday. He tries to do them, and fate and cruel providence conspire against him. It's it's basically the same kind of episode we've been watching for the last few. Uh, Arnold tries to do something. Whatever that thing Arnold is trying to do does not work for whatever reason. It's nope. usually there's a series of unfortunate events that occur that... Uh, force him to not be able to do what he needs to do no so we open up the classroom the kids even the teacher they're all just waiting for five o'clock because it's a five o'clock world when the whistle blows which is weird because school gets out at three but it's finally the weekend the kids gather in the courtyard they're discussing their plans i'm gonna spend the whole saturday morning watching cartoons i'm gonna go to the park to play catch it's gonna be great Tony, do you remember a time in your life where, like, the idea of one of these kids, I think it was Sid, saying, I'm going to spend the whole Saturday morning watching cartoons, and the idea that, like, Saturday morning was such a huge block of time that, like, it was all you could do to fill up that part of the day. Like, I don't remember the last time a day seemed that long to me instead of a series of hours that rush by as I go from obligation to obligation. Uh, yes and no. Um, I never got real Saturdays when I was a kid. Uh, right. I Because they were the uh, Sabbath. No, I'm not that <laughs> Jewish. Um, but no, uh, so my parents used to do eBay, uh, when, uh, when I was younger. They, like, got into eBay right when eBay started. Uh, right. so, uh, they spent their Saturdays going to garage sales and finding items that they could then flip on eBay and make a huge profit on. Um, but this is before, uh, smartphones. This is before, handheld internet so the only way that they were able to find those items was to call me who was sitting at home near my parents computer uh where i would have to type up and look up uh the item they're looking for and tell them all the prices of how much their item was worth you were the guy in the chair you were uh you were oracle that's fantastic exactly um did cursed items bring more no, but usually it was items that nobody has ever heard of uh, that brought the most. Uh, see, the problem is there's there's a shop in Palmdale where you can just go and pick up cursed items for free. Um, they're really? cursed. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's it really true. flooded the market. <laughs> so there was no... <laughs> The supply and yeah, demand no curve point. was just absolutely wrecked. Yeah. Why would you pay? Why would you buy money on eBay for for cursed objects? Why would you, you buy just money go to the on cursed eBay? objects store? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, so Arnold he hushes the crowd and says he's going to do it all. He's going to do everything on the list. Collective gasp. This is the list for a kid's perfect Saturday. He's crazy, this Arnold. Nobody's ever done the whole list before. It's preposterous. It can't be done. And here we have one of our favorite recurring bits. Uh, Sid 
is acting he's 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 the hype man right he's warming up the crowd for gerald he's the herald of gerald and he says that this list has been handed down from kid to kid for generations it contains all things kids love to do on a saturday behold the sacred document read it gerald What's interesting is he he every time he kind of talks about one of these children's urban legends, he always says it's been passed down from kid generation to kid generation. In reality, that's maybe two years, maybe three years right. tops that this list has existed. Like like a generation, like a year, like maybe this was written by uh, some some high school freshman now when he was in the sixth right. grade and he wrote it down or maybe this is even a seventh grader because this is at a point in time when elementary schools and middle schools were separated and not the same thing um, yeah the origins are lost to the ages this in in terms of child time this is this is from a geological era ago so it is it is a totem it is one of their ancestral documents it is their constitution or one of them so i just want to talk real quick I love the way this thing is folded up. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be just like in the little cuz it's not it's not like the little it's not the little paper football. It's something else. Uh-huh. I'm not quite sure. And I associate it very strongly with um is it toast points or baklava? Something? I don't know. I I associate just cuz cuz the way the striations line up like the lines on the paper, it looks like a trisket or something. And I think maybe I associate it with the bit from uh in Aladdin. When uh, when Jeannie tells him to have a little more baklava and he pours it all out and it just piles up, yeah. there's a bunch of little triangles. I don't know, man. I just I resonate very strongly with the way this little object is folded. I dig it. It's crazy because that's the first thing I wrote in this episode is this is the most intricately folded thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, yes! And it was it's always something that's that struck me uh, ever since I was a child and I watched this episode is, man, I wish I knew how to fold like they folded notes the like hell that. out of that. Well, and that brings up two interesting points. First of all, it implies that a measure of security is needed. Like, they have to lock this down, right? Like, you can't just fold this up into little squares and then put it in your back pocket. Like, this needs this needs heavy enchantments on it. This needs to be sealed as close as yeah. we can come to it. Yeah, except except at the end of this episode, Arnold fucks off this, this list, uh, losing yeah. it for generations of kids to come. Exactly. So it's... it's a lost document. This is their burning of the Library of Alexandria. And second of oh, all, shit. I just love, I just love that, like, I, I mean, because this, this folding thing that we're looking at, this technique, uh, first of all, it has to be passed down from kid to kid, right? This has to be an ancestral, cultural note folding technique. And second of all, they had to draw that. So it has to be a real one. Like, they couldn't just be like, I'm going to draw this folded up in a weird shape that couldn't really exist, whatever. Like, that has to be a real thing that one of the, one of the animators or whoever knew from their childhoods. This has to be from real, from reality to fiction. Uh, an osmotic child ritual. I bet you. I bet you. If we look it up, we can figure out what this fold was and how to do Probably. this fold. There's like there's like some YouTube channel like binging with Babish where instead of making TV show foods, he just folds things the way people fold things in TV shows. So the question is, would we rather have that, or would we rather have the mystery? I'd rather have that. I'd like to fold it. I'd like to know how to fold my my notes that I'm passing to my teacher in a cool looking way. <laughs> Why are you passing notes to your teacher? Because I am my teacher. So you're passing notes to yourself? Yeah, they're warnings from the future. <laughs> Dear Thony, 
How are you? I'm fine. Do not drink the coffee tomorrow. <laughs> Don't do it. It's Folgers. So this is the list for a kid's perfect Saturday. And it's uh, some pretty archetypical stuff here. Watch every cartoon from 6 a.m. to dance craze while eating three bowls of sugar chunk cereal. Uh, there's no... There's no provision for an alternate cereal being acceptable, but also we're not really we're not really given an understanding of how much leeway is given with these rules, right? Well, I think uh, during the episode you'll see that there is tons of leeway. Uh, when Arnold tries to eat the cereal, he doesn't get it, so he picks a different right. cereal, and he's like, "Well, at least this will have to do cereal," and we can hope that the list is satisfied with this. Yeah. Ride down your bike. Ride your bike down the steepest hill in the neighborhood. And you all know which one that is. Inexplicable laughter from the crowd. Yeah. Which was weird, but it's also... I, I don't know. There, There's something... Like, if, if somebody mentioned... Well, Lancaster's not a great example. Because if you hear somebody talking and they say, And what about Lancaster? Am I right? Nobody's going, Woo! Lancaster! We're all pretending not to know where that is. But, like... The idea that, like, the steepest hill in the neighborhood, and you all know which one that is, and everybody's like, fuck yeah! I know that hill! I fell down it once! I don't know, it's just, it's a great cultural sort of thing that, like, this this is a tribe of kids, and they're like, yes, we all know that hill! Go on, yeah, I mean, this, this like, like throughout the series, you can see that this, the they do act like a tribe. They have their own. It's it's not to the extent that I've seen other shows like Recess. Right. Uh, I was going to say, it's I not the kindergartners like, in Recess. Yeah. yeah but, but like Recess, even Recess has like, like they have their own society within their, their playground. Uh, All hail rules and, and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, but but this show like like they have their stories, they have their tales, they have their system set up, uh, they do. and it works. And and this is like kind of one of the purest forms of this kind of aspect of their lives. Yeah, it really is mechanically and culturally very pure. And what's great is you can take this list to any any city any school in in the country wherever you say the the steepest hill in the neighborhood and they would all know which hill you meant local to them and it's a yeah. it's a universal ritual exercise and it's like a very like absolutely thing. like the the steepest hill in my neighborhood is is yeah. uh on the cross streets between 20th and s which just there you go i i once tried to go down that on roller skates and ate shit and tumble down yep. like like you go super far down it's crazy that was you play catch with every kid in the park yeah that that one doesn't seem feasible like no that's well here's the thing so we for for a long time we were under the assumption that the city hillcrest hillview 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 Hillview. Hillview. We were under the impression that Hillview was supposed to be, like, a New York analog, and if that's the point, if that's the case, then, like, yeah, you're not going to play catch with every kid in Central Park. That's not how that's going to go. But I was reading on TV tropes, and apparently it's supposed to be set vaguely in the Pacific Northwest, which means that the entire state is a park. Well, yeah, like, but no, it's, it's like, from what I've read, it's, it's, it's not just New York, it's in, it's, it's like Chicago, it's Seattle, it's New York, it's every right. major metropolitan city, Los Angeles, it's, it's every city that you can think of, uh, kind of combined into one. Anybody who's lived in an inner city in their lives can watch this show and feel like, oh, I, I completely recognize, I completely feel 
how these people right. are feeling. I completely sympathize with. I too have an antagonistic relationship with the weird bodega guy. So play catch with every kid in the park, if possible. And finally, go to the movies and sit through it three times. Now, what isn't clear to me is whether that means buy three tickets or, like, sneak in. Or, like, Tony, have you ever snuck into a movie? Oh, yeah, all the time. I've only done it a couple of times. I've never, like, like it's, it's hard. I mean, it's not that hard. Uh, but there were times in my life where... Uh, uh, we would buy a ticket to a movie and then we'd be led into the theater. We're like, okay, well, we have like two or three hours to kill. Let's go sit and watch another movie while... Yes. Uh, it, it's getting harder to do that now that they have uh, assigned seating at most movie theaters. Really? But do you guys not have assigned seating still? No, that's not how Arizona? Harkins rolls, son. No, this is America. Uh, we saw The Purge. Uh, everything, everything in the Animal Valley now has assigned seating, but they've like upgraded their seats. They've upgraded their chairs. They've got those cool electronic retractable chairs, which lets you what prop your fuck? feet up and and have seat oh, warmers man. and stuff like that. Um, but so, but assigned seating is 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 the, the common thing. The thing is, it really sucks though because like we talk about like ritualistic things that kids do. Um, one thing for at least everybody in in the Antelope Valley, or at least kids in the Antelope Valley, was going to midnight movies uh, yes. when movies were released and standing in line for like five hours mm -hmm. uh, waiting for that to be let into the theater so you can get the perfect seat in the movie theater. And now you just have to be the quickest person on Amazon to buy that seat. So And you can show up two minutes before the movie starts and your seat will be there. Uh it's. It, I feel like it's something lost and something that was so important to my childhood and important to my developing ages that I am no longer able to do anymore, and it kind of sucks. Sad. I'm sorry, buddy. Well, yeah. and that's 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 an interesting point about this list is that this list may only be valid. You made the point that this is from a relatively recent point in the, you know, the cultural history of this school and these kids. But, like, this list may only be valid for a certain period of time. Like, everything on here might have an expiration date on it. Watch every cartoon from 6 a.m. till Dance Craze. What if they cancel Dance Craze? You know, what What used to be on this list that isn't anymore because it's not a thing? Like, Sorry, do you, are you saying that this list could be like is a living breathing thing do you think that it's malleable Absolutely. do you think that stuff has been changed from it throughout the however many 100%. years this list has existed um yes i don't know i kind of disagree okay tell me well like like so uh when i was growing up and watching cartoons and granted like what really sucks is saturday morning cartoons aren't a thing anymore that is something nope. that has existed for since television has been a thing, Saturday morning cartoons has been a thing. Uh, and I think it was like seven or eight years ago that there was like the last channel that was doing Saturday morning cartoons are no longer doing Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Well, uh, but I grew kids up... don't watch kids don't watch cartoons on TV anymore. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like the idea of cable television in general has has completely shifted and changed. Kids don't watch television shows anymore you talk to no. any kid and 90 percent of the time they're just watching crap on youtube not tv not cartoons nothing like that or um, peppa pig 
yeah, but I think people watch Peppa Pig ironically uh, because Peppa <laughs> Pig is is seven feet tall and okay, no, is uh-uh, the smallest of no, the pig uh-uh. family. Moving on, because if Peppa no, if Peppa's seven feet tall, I don't even want to think about how tall Daddy Pig is. I don't need that figure in my life. So let's just well, move did on. You, <laughs> did you know that 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 Olaf the Snowman from the Frozen movies is also like six feet tall? Okay, but doesn't that mean the reindeer is like... Tw- okay, never mind. No, I, Look, I, no, I don't need my mind blown this way. I can't handle this and being in quarantine. So, all right, what do you what do you mean... Okay, so you, are you saying there should be versions of this document instead of no, one I, changing? I, I think I think that, that at the end of the day, what they are watching and what they are doing may change. But right. um, at least, like... Uh, Dance craze is like like I think, uh, sort of an analog. What is the word? Amalgamation is that the word? Mm-hmm. A kind of combination analog. of a bunch of different things. Analog yeah. uh, for uh, all these different dance shows that that came on uh, mid Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah. Soul Train is the one. Uh, Roundhouse was not a dance show, and it was on Nickelodeon, and it was the best rem- sketch comedy okay. show ever, and never yeah. as good as, as as uh, all that was. I mean, no, all that was never as good as as Roundhouse was. I remember and there I feel being like... dancing on Roundhouse. I, I don't I don't assert that it was a dance show. And like I I spent years trying to find episodes of that show to watch, and. Up until YouTube was created, it was just almost impossible. Um, By the way, can I just a... can I just say that I I love that I can toss out an early '90s, you know, teens, you know, youth sketch show that got one and a half seasons, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, no Roundhouse." <laughs> no, we we like like uh, one of the defining moments of our friendship was uh, us sitting in Ron Sherman's classroom, uh, and he mentions Magellan, uh, the explorer. <laughs> Yep. And you say, well, Magellan's a dragon, so I forgot the, the ending thing with that. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, Magellan's a dragon. Fucking love Eureka's castle. And your and mind was blown point, because... It was. I, I was not entirely sure I hadn't just imagined that program at that point because I could not find another human being who knew about Magellan and Quagmire and all the, yeah, all the, the what are they called, yeah. the bogs. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, there was that uh, for me. It was the TV show Space Cases, uh, which Fuck was yeah! the fucking best. But then I talked to people like who I like I knew grew up watching Nick. Have no idea. Don't remember that show at all. I mean, like, what? no, don't have... you remember the second season when they got an Andromeda at the class and everybody was like, oh man, he's all big and strong. He must be a tough guy. But he's like, no. I am a soft man on the inside, and I do not wish to use my Andromedan strength to punch, but I will if the episode calls for it. Ah, yeah. oh, space or, cases. Or, or, or the fact that Catalina had a, an imaginary friend named Susie Who for the entirety of imaginary. the first season. And then, no. and then they switch places at the end of the first yes. season, and in the second season, you have Susie now, who's replaced Catalina. Uh, Catalina, uh, played by uh, Joel State. Joel Strait, uh, who goes on to play Kaylee Fry in the uh, Firefly universe. Uh, it's true. So, uh, but yeah, that's for another. That's for another podcast show. Wild shit. No, I think this is as close as we're going to come to an appropriate forum for this kind of reminiscence. Also, uh, the Land of the Lost program they did in the nineties. Yes, please give it here. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, yep. Uh, what's crazy is and flashlights and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the Slee Stack uh, are actually scary monsters. Well, I mean, they were scary monsters in the original one, too, but in a different way. So, uh, a fun fact about that show was that wasn't even originally a Nickelodeon show. I think that was on, like, CBS on Saturday mornings. Sure. Uh, and then it didn't do very well, so they shoved the one and a half seasons of that show onto yep. Nickelodeon. Um, but yeah, so, so like, when I was watching Kids WB, because that's what I watched in the morning, uh, sure. after Kids WB, it was Soul Train. Or right. whatever kind of dance program. And, like, at least for the entirety of my childhood, I remember that. And much into my adulthood. After after they did the regular cartoons, after they did the edutainment cartoons, uh, mm-hmm. they would move on to some sort of dance program. Because teenagers like to sleep in. And that was their time block. That was the time they get yeah. to go and watch their thing. And things. they like to dance. So I feel like as long as cartoons have existed, as long as Saturday morning cartoons have existed, some mm-hmm. form of dance program was right. the thing that preceded, like not preceded, followed uh, the cartoons. So okay. in that extent, I so really these, feel. So these list items are, if not particular, they're archetypical. They each represent like a fundamental tarot card sort of idea of of a particular kind of kid activity. Yeah, and so I even think like what what the kids are watching their cartoons up until is is irrelevant. irrelevant. They're watching as much kids programming as they can until they are now on a thing that is not for kids programming. Okay. So this is the modern iteration of this this archetypical list. And Gerald uh, as the voice of reason, at least in the first season, uh, says, are you sure about this? I mean, you're tempting the fates, man. Which, Gerald does tend to kind of talk in in this, uh, like, exaggerated, not dramatic exactly way, but th- that's the kind of thing he would say. But it's it's very important in this context, because they're talking about this in these mythological terms. So when he says you're tempting, he doesn't say you're tempting fate, he says you're tempting the fates. Like, like this is a real undertaking, and if Arnold fails, there could be consequences. And there are consequences. Oh, um, boy. He also said that no kid has ever, ever completed the list uh, in the it's history of this Arnold. list existed. Um, but Arnold, being the eternal optimist that he is... The all-loving hero. Uh, decides that he does not care what people say. He is confident enough in his abilities... To, He's gonna do it to to complete this list. Uh, so he takes the list home. He goes home. He prepares himself. And what I'm going to say is, Arnold's the reason Arnold fails this list is completely his own doing. It's, okay, it's not fates. It is it is completely his fault that he is unable to complete this list. So, like a classical Greek hero, it was not an outside foe, but his own hubris that was his downfall. Yeah. So, uh, Arnold is, you see, at the uh, after he goes home, he's getting ready. He turns his alarm clock. He sets his alarm clock. Uh, and he places his alarm clock in a place that is never usually where his alarm clock goes. You see mm-hmm. him purposefully walk across the room, set his alarm clock on the desk, uh, in front of him now uh, well, yeah. more likely you gotta sit this across is the because room, so you get up you, you don't snooze it right 
Yeah, but he's like like he's a school child who has to get up early in the morning every day to get to school, especially because he's taking transportation to school. Like Point. he keeps his alarm clock near his bed. He has always kept his alarm clock near his bed. So the fact that Arnold walks up, uh, sets his alarm clock uh, on the other side. Uh, was, I think, a boneheaded move. I completely understand why he did it, but that was, like, the first step in his ultimate undoing in this episode. And he says, uh, in the previous scene, he says, tomorrow is going to be one of those days that memories are made of. And oh, that cool is absolutely true. Yeah, he's correct, but not in the way he thinks he is. So he sets his alarm, but a foul wind blows in the night and drives the list itself, the artifact itself, into his clock and breaks it. So he wakes up in the morning. Oh, no, it's late. He has a spare Arnold clock in his drawer because, sure. So he rushes downstairs, and he's going to do... And this is the thing. So he, he's already goozled. He's not going to clear this list entirely because it's after 6 a.m. So he can't watch anything from 6 a.m. to Dance Craze. But he's going to get as many items on this list as he can, still get a pretty good score, hopefully. He rushes downstairs only to find that Grandpa, that old bastard, has eaten all the sugar chunk. Yeah, like, he... First off, like, the man that age should not be eating children's cereal. No. Um, he can't handle the sugar. Yeah, you don't need that dextrose fill. He's probably got the diabetes. Like, like yeah. you already know You already know that he has digestive problems. I mean, I don't know if we it's already true. know that, but it becomes a recurring theme that Grandpa, uh, Grandpa Shortman has... Gotta uh, go. ...digestive problems in this show. Uh, but no, he, he's eaten... eaten Eaten, well, eaten. maybe this is why he ate uh, all six the bowls of all this, all the sugar chunk cereal and all the milk. So Arnold uh, goes through the cupboard. She's like, "Ah, oh, no, there's another bottle of, of cereal in the cupboard, Arnold. Go check. And he goes and he looks and what he finds is a box of prune bran flakes. Uh, yep. Now with bigger chunks of prune. Thank God. <laughs> so he's going to make a solid effort. He pours it into the bowl, except... The only milk that remains has gone solid. Uh, it is now disgusting. It, it is now almost as gross as yogurt is how just does, in real life. How does a family, I mean, not even just a family, a their house is gigantic. There are, yeah. what, seven or eight tenants that live in there. At minimum, that we see, yeah. How, how like, I've, I've had, we've had milk in my house my entire life. Like, Same. at no point in time has anybody ever left a full carton of milk. No. Like, it just, it's unheard of. Like, like, you have a child who drinks cereal. Like, how do you, and Arnold didn't have to rummage through, like, oh my god, where's the milk? He just opened the fridge, grabbed a, the, the, the closest thing of milk, and poured it in. Why did the milk go bad? How did this, like... How did nobody notice that there's been a, a full carton and that carton is full? You see him kind of eye it up and down, check how full you know it what? is, make sure he has all of it. How does That's an excellent point. And I, you know anybody... what I think the answer? I think it's the gods. I think they're like Odysseus and like Heracles. Uh, they're placing obstacles in his path. They are trying to turn him from this course because they know that it can only end in disaster and failure. But like any hero worth his salt... Arnold is not a reasonable man, and so he elects to push forward because the only way out is through. So he doesn't eat his cereal, but he's like, at least I can watch cartoons. 
he yeah, jumps on the couch, turns on the TV, uh, and one of the coolest uh, intros to a cartoon I've ever seen in my life is playing yes! on the screen. Uh, robots, robots from outer space spreading bacteria that eat your face. Yeah, eat your face. It was very good. I want to know more. Yeah, like <laughs> TV me. explodes. We all know this classic way. Yeah, uh, the power went out in the entire house. Arnold's like, oh, I can go watch TV up in my grandpa's room. The TV may be broken, but there's another TV in this house. Right. You'd think an you'd think but a no. kid you'd think a kid with like such an intricately like set up electronically based room, mm-hmm. he would have the pleasure and luxury of having a TV in his room. You would think, and like on reflection, I think I remember seeing at least a small one on one of his shelves, but I could be wrong. But you know what's interesting is like I had a TV in my room since I was five, uh, so I could play Nintendo and Sega and all that. And as I have grown up and spoken to other people, I have found that to be unusual. Apparently, it is not common. It's like we've had TVs in... And I've had my TV in my room since I was maybe three or four. Like, I remember really? getting my TV. Yeah, like, it was my mom. Like, I don't know. I was able to watch TV whenever. Like, you can play video games, yeah. Nah, play video games, like, I was always constantly grounded from video games. Like, Fair. I was never, until I got into, like, high school, I was never actually able to hold on to a video game system for more than, like, three weeks. There were video game Sad. systems. But also, I'm not an only child. I have two sisters. Like, I have a Point. father who played video games up until he got a little bit older. Um, so, video games, like, like we were saying, video games were a very independent thing for you. Video games were a very, very dynamic like commu- um, communal, communal thing for you. kind of thing for right. for me okay that makes sense um but no so like like uh, friday nights i'd watch i'd watch uh tgif like like i had my saturday morning cartoons and for the most part i was able to kind of and i think that was a way my i was very hyperactive and i think putting a tv in my room allowed my mom to okay go up to your room just hang out in your room don't bother me you're you're right. way too much energetic uh and i don't want you around um, I get that. Yeah. And once I, th- I think that was one of the reasons uh, I learned to read fairly early is because once my parents realized that this was a thing I was built for, they were like, oh, we can just give him a book and just put him over there and he'll be fine right. for the rest of the day. <laughs> I do want to make one quick serial note going back for just a second. Um, as we record, listeners, uh, a great deal of the country is under quarantine. We're trying not to harp on it too much because it's very scary. We don't want to remind people of a bad time that happened in the past by the time they listen to this. But, uh, you know, it is difficult um, to get some staples and essentials. Stores are still being refilled. My point is, uh, we are a like a 2% milk household. We were talking about milk a second ago. And we go through a lot of milk. And we went to the shop. All we could get was whole milk. And let me tell I felt like fucking hedonism bot. I was sitting there and I felt like I had, st- like I'd done a cereal heist and stolen some decadent czar's cereal out from under him. And like the taste of danger made the cinnamon toast all the sweeter. Let me tell you. Uh, so be careful on this path, Casey. No. Uh, I have always been a, I have always been a whole milk person. Always, always been a whole milk person. But eventually that fat content, it, it's not enough. So you go <laughs> on the harder milks, harder substances. The harder milks. Just so 
I, half I and half. get some half and half, pour that in. But even then, the half and half isn't enough. So you start doing whipping that? cream. Oh, God. And then after the whipping cream, it's heavy whipping cream. Oh, God. <laughs> What's after heavy whipping cream, Tony? Uh, there's, uh, there's clotted there's clotted cream, but that's only Gross. available in, in England. That's like Gross. a whipped cream, but not... Uh, but let me tell you, Casey, you have never lived until you have poured heavy cream on Captain Crunch. Oh my god. It's, it's, You're gonna get arrested. It's my mom turned me on to it. That was her when she when she was young and smoked weed. Is your mom a drug dealer? When my mom was young and and, and smoked weed, that was her go to <laughs> uh munchies uh munchies nice. meal. She'd pour heavy cream on on Captain Crunch. It's it's I crazy. gotta tell you, a lot of my life started to make more sense once I realized that my mother uh was and always has been a huge pothead. <laughs> so there's some things adding up there. Okay. Yeah, so, it's the same with my dad. Yeah. So power is out, he can't use the spare TV. So he decides to just head out, make for the next item, which is uh to play catch with every kid in the park. So Grandma, at this point, in a seemingly unrelated incident, is having identical piano movers do what they do, which is move a piano. Oh my god. Except, good. I I literally wrote, I love that those quadruplets all got jobs together. Well, yeah, it's a family business. <laughs> They're, they all, every single piano mover looks exactly the same, like, like mm-hmm. down to the things they're wearing, their haircuts, their voices, yep. they are all exactly the same and this is not a show that is known for its lazy animation choices no this isn't a palette swap show they don't just uh no they don't reuse character models so this was a deliberate choice (laughs) this is a family business that's been moving the pianos of this city since nigh on aught six um and arnold he has to zoop out the window uh these men attempting to move this piano into the boarding house and failing will become thematically relevant later something i'm very excited to talk about so arnold heads to the park he throws his ball to a stranger who takes it and runs for his life that's that, like that guy's such a piece of shit like for real like and and I don't understand, like with his glove, yeah, he was waiting for like, this to happen. Waiting for something, he, like that's that's just his gambit. He he goes to the park, waiting for some kid to try to complete the list. And again, <laughs> we can talk about we can talk about like the idea that that Arnold is tempting the fates. This is not a yeah. real person. This is not a real man. This is not someone Nuh-uh. who who actually exists in this world. This is an entity uh, sent by the fates to uh, inflict chaos on Arnold's life. This is the gods testing him. Yes. Exactly. And he is failing. So So he uh, this this kid, yeah, just just scoodles off with Arnold's ball, so he can't play catch with anyone now. This is another item stricken from the list, nothing for it. He goes back, and the movers are still trying to get this piano into the boarding house. Okay, but the oh. problem is they have chosen a location to fit this piano in that is smaller than the location that they had chosen before. Mm-hmm. So they try almost, to fit it through the door. Almost like a small boy trying to take on a large task and fitting it through a narrow ability. Okay, but he doesn't keep on trying to fit it through narrower and narrower things. 
uh, any smart person would know if it doesn't through fit through the giant front door, why the fuck mm-hmm. is it going to fit through the second story window? What I about think this? It's just representative. It's it's representative of Arnold trying and trying again at something that is clearly not working, but uh, just failing to realize the nature of the situation. Well, absolutely, I completely agree that 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 the them trying to move the piano in is representative of Arnold's journey itself. But that does not excuse the point that no, they are trying I to think... fit like it through a smaller point of entry. These are grown adult ass people. Like, oh shit. Nope, I found it. I, I've got it. Okay, so it's not them. They're the movers. It's their job to move the piano where the lady tells them to move the piano. So it's not them. It's Grandma. It was Grandma who says, let's see if we can fit this through the garage. Let's see if we can fit this through the front door. Because in her mind, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to. Because she's a dingbat. So it's their job to just do the thing, and they keep coming up against the impossibility of this task. So if the moving men are Arnold, and moving the piano into the boarding house is him trying to do these things then grandma is the list grandma and the list are the ones making these unreasonable borderline impossible demands against which these heroes have to throw themselves until they break jesus christ i i came into this episode not thinking that we were that this entire episode was was the odyssey but... uh-huh I'm I'm really frustrated now that all of these connections are being made, and we're talking about uh-huh. Odysseus' journey right now. Um, and and if we really want to get into deep, uh, we can talk about the monomyth. We can talk about the hero's journey, and of course, and I bet you if we made that kind of that story mountain or the arc circle or whatever, yeah. well, the circle is Dan Harmon's thing, which is different than everything else. Well, uh, no, I mean, there's there's a circular diagram of the hero's journey, and Dan Harmon's circle is a a variation of that, right. Yeah, um, which I guess would make the kid in the park, uh, like Polyphemus. Would he be the Cyclops? Hold on, no, no I, I want to. I... Um, there's refusal. I don't of remember the, call. the that well. There's, well, no, it, it could be any one of them. It could be the lady who turns his companions into the right. pigs. It could be the sirens. It could be. Uh, I, I think maybe the sirens is good. He's sitting there waiting. Uh, and calling him over into him only for the Arnold to be met with disaster because he could be he faced this person. Uh, well, as Odysseus was teaches us everyone is Jesus in purgatory. Like we uh, can assign whatever symbolism. Odysseus was successful against the Cyclops, which is why I Correct. don't think that was any of the other things. Um, so Arnold goes home. Arnold tries to get his bike. He's met with the piano movers. He eventually gets his bike. Uh, he hoofs it up what is uh, undoubtedly not only the tallest hill in the neighborhood, uh, but, but the, the tallest city. hill in the city. And I think his triumph a... is inevitable. Tony, victory is assured. There is there is a huge distinction between because they talk about they don't say the highest hill in the city. They say the highest it hill in not. the neighborhood. And he's really and overachieving think... here. And I think, like, he is now at the point where he has failed half of what he is trying to do, and he needs to figure out a way to appease the list gods. So if maybe if I go on the highest hill in the city, as opposed to the highest hill in the in the neighborhood, neighborhood. this will make up for my shortcomings of the first Maybe this tasks. will bring me honor and glory in the eyes of the gods. Right. Maybe, is this the tasks of Hercules? <laughs> kind of. Um, except he won all of those. Right. Uh, 
this is fascinating. This is what I yeah. love so much about this show is, is like, like in, in most aspects, you would expect a TV show where we're recapping our favorite TV show to be just kind of fun of good goofs and us talking about funny moments, but not like serious intellectual dialogues about no. the intricacies of, of this good shit the episodes but granted like i think both of us knew coming in when we started creating this show that uh this was how our our show was going to be uh for those of you who don't know how the hair gerald field report came about is uh on facebook i posted a clip of the opera episode of hey arnold uh with gerald singing pagliacci the sad clown uh and i kind of talked about how that's my favorite scene in all of hair arnold it's completely like like completely summarizes Harold's personality and like mm-hmm. really fits him. And Casey's he's a started... big ugly clown. Oh, yeah, a big stupid fat ugly clown. Oh, uh, but yeah. Uh, and then Casey started. I forgot what you said about it, but you you mentioned like Pagliacci. Gerald has a bunch of similar character traits, and then uh, you and I just started talking. We're like, hey, you know, we have a lot to say about this show. I really do. And it's it's like The Simpsons in that uh, we're doing a Simpsons run-up, thank you, uh, Disney Plus, in these trying times. And much like episodes of The Simpsons, it's shocking to me going through these episodes, like, how much of what I consider my core personality is just shit from Hey Arnold. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and not in a really upsetting way, because, I, I mean, like, you could, you know, you put yourself together from what you find, right? And uh, I think we could do worse than A. Arnold. But no, I I worry a lot. Like, when we're in the middle of this, I'm like, I I always wonder after we finish recording, like, did I say anything interesting at all? Would anyone care? Why do I try? But, like, if if I was listening to a show that was doing what we're doing now, I'd be like, fuck yeah, this is what's up. And that's just, like, imposter syndrome. That's not to say that we don't know how to make an entertaining show or whatever, or that, you know, my best friend isn't a genius. But I... I, I didn't know this was where we were going with this episode either. Like, I had some vague idea that, like, Arnold is pushing against fate, and, like, sometimes you just lose. Sometimes you just bite it, and that's all there is to it. I didn't realize that we were going to discover that Arnold is every character. He's every protagonist from all of heroic classical I, literature. And, and, like, the thing for me is, like, I don't care if people listen to this. At the end of the day, I, I like talking about this whether or not we are recording like like and for the most part i'm recording so i can go back and listen to this this intellectual conversation we are having same but i i will be talking about this kind of stuff to anybody like like you go on my facebook a lot of it is shit posting but a lot of it is me just kind of discussing what I'm watching in TV and the the kind of things hashtag I'm talking about. Anthony watches. Yeah, hashtag. You can go on Facebook to look up hashtag Anthony watches. You can see me go through the entirety of uh, the Next Generation canon. Uh, yep. Which everybody is... go friend Thony right now. Go flood his inbox with friend requests from yeah. strangers. It's his yeah. favorite thing. But no, you you make an excellent point because like it's. We, we live in an age where you feel like you always have to be producing something. You always have to be doing something of value and like just blocking out a stretch of time to like, hey, I'm just going to call my friend and we're just going to talk about Hey Arnold for a little while. 
seems like not that it's a bad idea or not or not that it isn't a worthy idea or something worth your time but like just the framing device of like no we're gonna take this time we're gonna sit down we're gonna record this thing and anybody who wants to listen to it can but it is first and foremost time with my buddy where we talk about a thing we love and i i'm glad we started it because uh it gives me a framework where it feels it feels official it feels not to say that doing a thing with a friend is ever wasting time but if i feel like i'm producing something then i can feel like it's time spent responsibly yeah i completely like it's it's kind of irresponsible to sit and binge watch all of hey arnold in exactly a two-week period but you can binge watch hey arnold uh and stretch it out over what I'm assuming is going to be five or six years. It's going to be a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but but you're still getting to watch through the show, but you're doing it for a reason. And I think that's really yeah. good. And with your buddies. So, yeah. uh, yes, Arnold, victory is assured he can, he can feel the wings of Nike lifting him up to uh, the top of Olympus, except... That he rides into hot asphalt well, and grinds before to Before that happens, there Arnold Arnold knows what his next next task is. He he opens up his pocket. Not only opens oh up God. his pocket, but but unfolds his pocket so you see the insides and you see uh-huh. the change for the movie there. And I, I think love this. He puts it back in, he rides down, he is like he is soaring on wings of eagles. Uh, yes. Arnold is... Tony, can we can we talk for just one second? about this handful of change because it is shining silver treasure these coins look so substantial they look like because it's not just quarters like whatever it looks like it looks like a handful of of like drachma or like the the 30 dinars that you know that that judas was given or some shit i don't know just this handful of shining silver coins they were hypnotic to me as a child and i have no idea why they just seemed so like you could take one of those and just be like yes shopkeeper your finest ham and just toss it to him i don't know uh it made me really happy but it also really backs up the like mythical quality a little bit yeah because, like, if he just had a dollar, he'd be like, I have this dollar. But there's something, like, tangible uh, and representative of coins. And I don't know why that is. And maybe that's just me. Well, it's also, it's also, he's a child. Yeah. So, so. That's a fortune. Yeah. For for children, piggy banks are a <gasps> thing. Loose change is the thing rather than. Yeah. You can just find money. Cash. Which yeah, means he's so, been saving for this. Oh, buddy, he's been planning this for a long time, hasn't he? No, no, because Arnold, Arnold, like, uh, in the Mickey K-Line episode, unless, like, that's basically all the money he's been able to save since Mickey K-Line. Arnold was able to afford to to pay for, you know, a baseball game. Um, that's true. I think, I don't know. It's... I think Arnold, like, has cash. You always see them, like, going to the store and, and getting Yahoo sodas or doing stuff. That's like, true. they've never been... I don't feel like he's been saving for it, but I do okay. feel like... Maybe not. But 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 I'll that doesn't it. change the fact that, that that two children change is is the... Is change is king. Change is, is more important than than dollars. It's the Those medium are, of exchange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's that bit where Benjamin Franklin talks about how uh, when he was when he was a wee boy, his friends uh, filled his pockets with coppers 
and just like, I don't know, just the idea of physical money is, I think it's kind of easy to fetishize in the digital age because when you spend money online, like when I buy an ebook or a comic online, uh, it hits my purchasing pleasure center, but it doesn't hit my, this is actually costing you money center, <laughs> which is why it's right. really easy to spend too much on comics. So I don't know, just yeah. having like tangible, physical, this is a unit of worth. And with it, I am going to complete this list. I don't know. It was just uh, very cool. And I liked it a lot. So he zoops down. And uh, what happens when he attempts to zoop down? The, the, he, the, the he, down? Like he keeps on going down. Eventually he slows down and uh, he hits a patch of gross, like hot asphalt what what makes no sense to me is it. is every fucking street on earth if they're doing construction has some sort of like signs has some sort of like block off block so, off yeah so so a kid just ruined some some poor construction workers like five hours worth of work driving a a bicycle straight through the road uh what's also well, interesting and... go ahead is that the construction is like three miles long, which yeah. means this hill is not only probably the largest hill in the city, but possibly the largest hill in the fucking world. For real. Well, and also Arnold's bike is ruined. That thing is dead. Hot asphalt is hundreds of degrees. Those tires yeah. and rims are melted. Yeah, and he doesn't. Uh, I mean, he's not Eugene, so he doesn't. He he comes out without a scratch. He doesn't fall in and suffer third degree burns, right? And uh, there's no grounds for Arnold to sue the city because Arnold should have paid attention to the sides. He really should. So he on foot he arrives at the pictures only to find that his money has abandoned him, like his god. Okay, but what's what's fascinating is there is a sudden hole in his pants that was not there there before. before. Nope. Almost as if the fates themselves, Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos, reached over and unwove it like the thread of his destiny. Yeah. So. Yes. Very good. Also, it made me really happy that the movies on the marquee were Mudman's Revenge 2. Not Mudman 2, Mudman's Revenge, but Mudman's Revenge 2. And next week. Rasta dog. Rasta dog. <laughs> Rasta dog. Which is not a movie you could make in uh, the 2020s for very good reason. So uh, Arnold tries to pay for his ticket, realizes he has no money, begs the, the ticket booth person uh, that uh, to let him in. Uh, the problem is she's not wearing a punk t-shirt. Uh, she's not. She's not cool. So, she's a so narc. Can't, yeah, she's a narc. Uh, so she yeah. doesn't let him in. Arnold is defeated. Uh, but as fates are cruel, uh, they offer him one more shining chance of redemption in the form of an open door in the alley of a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where Arnold, I, I think this is the final the final seed of his undoing. Because this is a fundamental betrayal of his nature. Arnold is lawful good. And this is theft, right? right. Like, this is illegal. Yeah, uh, he sneaks into the theater. What's fascinating, though, is, like, at least for the movie theaters, I've never seen, like, a back alley entrance to the movie theater that does not, like, like put you right into the hallway of the movie theater. Arnold enters right. through this back alley entrance, and 
uh, ends up in the behind the scenes kind of strange world of of the movie theater uh yeah. he goes through uh, uh it's like this it's like the it's like the lower decks in the titanic <laughs> yeah he goes through a, a kind of industrial looking corridor uh which like is obviously the backs of all of these these movie screens uh-huh. he ends up like the gremlin he is he's being projected onto the screens from behind yeah he he what, what my problem is at one point though as he's running up the stairs there is like a huge gap between the curtain and the audience that Arnold yeah. could have just scooted through and got in there, but he he ends up running up the stairs, goes into the projection projection room, uh, eventually finds himself in the uh, the ventilation system, like like uh, Groundskeeper Willie, no John McClane, uh, ah, the Groundskeeper uh, Willie of the Die Hard universe. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, goes through, he eventually hits a, a, um... A trap door. No, because he, he bursts through the ceiling. It wasn't even a trap door. The weight of him, his body, uh, which is one of the most realistic version things I've ever seen in terms of yeah. climbing through ventilation shafts is they're not meant for humans to crawl through, uh, no matter not. how small or football-shaped their heads. Uh, nah, they're meant for xenomorphs only. So he bursts through not only the ventilation shaft, but the the ceiling itself and falls perfectly into a movie theater seat. And nobody around him pays any attention that some kid just no. fell from the ceiling and no. landed in the seat. Because they are wrapped. They are uh, focused on... The Mudman. Uh, uh, I can only assume it's Mudman's Revenge too. Yeah, which <laughs> makes it a very... <laughs> confusing scene because it's clearly a romantic scene i don't know but uh arnold doesn't get to enjoy it because as soon as he falls down and begins to enjoy the picture uh the movie is canceled due to like power outage or something uh well like it looks like the 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 film itself ripped up i don't know if this is like a single plex like they only have i think it's probably a monoplex uh so because uh, they only list one uh, movie my, at a time. Uh, as a child, my thought has always been, uh, this was Arnold's fault. Arnold yeah. somehow being through the back, being through the yeah, area he that the he's up. not supposed yeah. to be in, he fucked the stuff up, stuff up in some way, uh, and that is the reason why the the film bursts into flames. So Arnold, uh, defeated, leaves the theater, goes yep. home. Been uh, there. I've been there. That happened to me once. We went to see... Uh, be cool with uh, Uma Thurman, John Travolta, Vince Vaughn. A lot of people. It really wanted to be a Quentin Tarantino movie, and it really wanted you to think it was a Quentin Tarantino movie. And uh, a Mylar balloon hit the power lines outside the uh, the Cinemark Twenty Two in Lancaster, and the power went out, and everybody got vouchers. And several times in the intervening decades, uh, I have thought to myself, "Man, I should really see if Be Cool was worth finishing." And have then you... I don't, and I feel like I'm probably okay. <laughs> have you seen Get Shorty? You know it's a sequel, I right? I did not. What? Yeah, it's the second movie in a series. The first one is Be Cool. The second one is Get Shorty. I did not know that. I'm aware of Get Shorty. I have not seen it, but I did not know they were related. Yep, they're related. What the Fun fuck? fact of the I day. I would have sworn that Get Shorty came first. Huh, wild. Yeah, huh. Get Shorty did come first. It was Get Shorty oh, was the cool. first one, and then Be and then Cool, cool was, was the sequel. sequel. Yeah. Wild shit. So Arnold, Arnold defeated, ends up on the roof. Well, they, uh, he sees that the the people who are moving the piano finally bought a crane and put the piano on the roof because 
they've tried every conceivable entrance of this house, and this is the only way that they could possibly Correct. figure out. Grandma has accepted the impossibility of the task that she has set them. And Arnold goes on the roof and meets up with his grandma for a little debriefing of what had happened that day. Um, so Arnold's like, aren't you frustrated that they put a piano on the roof and not in the house? And grandma's like, no, we have a piano on the roof. And fun fact, yeah. uh, I think the, the type of piano changes, but I think from yeah. this point on in the series, there is a piano on the roof. That adds up. That's a kind of internal continuity I'm here for. And they uh, sing together that song that we all sing when we're sad, right? Like, we all do that. It's not just me. Like, yeah. after you've had a bad day, you don't do... Everybody comes home sing, singing, I had a bad day, I hate my dumb life, I'm down. <laughs> like, that's everybody. That's universal, right? That's not just me. It's it's just you, Casey. I'm sorry. Son of a bitch! I think that means I'm the coolest kid. But uh, I would just like to point out that, um, as will come as a surprise to no one, I'm a big fan of uh, commentary on television, and one of the things... I really uh, lament about the way streaming is set up is that, like, I, I listened to the um, cast commentary on all the seasons of Futurama when they were on DVD because they're hilarious. David X. Cohen is hilarious. Billy West, Katie Segal, they were all on there. And I learned so much cool stuff about how the industry works and about the show and about how voice acting works. And they all said, because uh, Futurama had a fair number of, number of musical interludes, that when you're a voice actor... Uh, the very hardest thing is to sing in your character voice because it's just a completely different thing. Okay, and for that, Tress McNeil is a gem. I but but here's here's and I was like the thing about Tress McNeil is she's I a mean, genius. I can't tell you for sure that that's not her normal voice, but Tress that's McNeil has the same voice in every single thing she has ever done. Tress McNeil more than more than uh. Tara Strong more than E.G. Daly, uh, more than maybe not John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio has the same voice in everything he does. Um, uh, I I would disagree. If you took a person who didn't know that Jake the Dog and Kimari Ronzo were voiced by the same person and you didn't point them towards that. Okay, but Kimari Ronzo says like eight things in that entire fucking game. Not the point. <laughs> That's um, not the argument you're making, sir. The point I'm okay, making is 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 Bender Bender prolific voice actors Bender Bending Rodriguez and Jake the Dog are indistinguishable hey, Joe and from Mexico. Each, uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, but Tress McNeil, like uh, Babs Buddy, sounds the same. Uh, who else? As Mom. Um, Mom sounds the same. Grandma Gertie sounds the same. Uh, Babs Bunny sounds the same. Did I already say Babs Bunny? Uh, you did, but you said it twice, and I, I think we all know. I think we all know what drove you to that. Uh, Dot from the uh, Caller Dottie and your dead. Uh, Animaniacs. Uh, Animaniacs. Thank you. Uh, is yep. another one. Uh, there was one. Oh, she plays uh, Gidget in, or is a gadget in <laughs> Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Oh, I thought you were going to say Gidget from Eureka 7. I actually don't know from Rescue Rangers. Uh, never Disney Afternoon Kid? Nah, not my jam. But, I mean, well, she's she's an incredibly prolific voice actress, and she's she's good at what she does. Um, one I, of the I, best compliments I've ever been given in my life was actually Andrew Perry, who told me uh, that I'm all three Warner siblings. 
<laughs> I can see that. It made me happy. So I've, I've never, I've never heard Tress McNeil actually speak before, just talking like a person. Uh, but I think my assumption is that she sounds the same. Uh, That's fair. I think Billy West sounds the same too. Yeah, Billy West just life. sounds like Fry essentially. Uh, uh, who's the other one? The guy who plays Bob. H. John Benjamin sounds the same in everything too. So yeah, that's that's just uh, yeah. Like I think I think like if you're like uh the guy who plays uh Wacko in Animaniacs, mm-hmm. what's his name? He has his own I don't know his own podcast where him and other voice actors recreate TV shows. It's not uh, Tom using... Kenny, is it? No, Tom Kenny is SpongeBob. Uh and Dog. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna look it up because do it. Uh, it's a plug for a really good podcast. Or uh... Uh, it's Rob Paulson. Rob uh, Paulson. Rob Paulson. Uh, oh, he's Yakko, not Wacko. Uh, he he has one. Uh, I uh, I don't know if it's a podcast or a TV show called Talking Tunes. Uh, okay. where he talks to fellow voice actors in the industry, and they recreate scenes from famous TV shows using characters that they're famous for. Neat. Uh, but, like, I think him, he's one of those actors that has a different voice for everything he does. So I think, like, for him, it would be difficult. Uh, we're getting off topic. Uh, Tress McDeal sings one of the best songs in the entire fucking series. It's uh, really good. episode. And a balloon, a balloon truck crashes. Arnold plays with them, some balloons, and I think there's some symbolism here about the balloons ganging up on him, the way life has ganged up on him. But the point is, Arnold finally accepts that uh, the Picard maxim, which is that it is possible to commit no errors and still lose, that is not weakness. That is life. And so he just uh, accepts his place in the universe at this particular point. Pulls a harmonica out of nowhere. Which is probably where my love of harmonicas comes from, and proceeds to just uh, jam with Grandma on the roof instead of worrying about his failure. But he turns the list into a paper airplane and throws the list off into the void, uh, preventing any other child from ever facing the same kind of fate that Arnold's did. I think it's kind Correct. of messed up. This is this is like an artifact. This is like like. Like, yeah, like the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Like, he's he's prevented any child from not only being able to attempt the list, which in Arnold's mind is saving them from a cruel fate, but also right. from even knowing about it. This is generations old. This is, like, should be in a kid museum somewhere, not uh, some so kids. So in, in your estimation trying the list and failing is it's a kobayashi maru thing it's it's not the doing of it it's the failing of it that is the ritual socially speaking uh i'd assume so because no kid has ever done it but at the same time it's just like even if nobody does it it's a it's an important piece of knowledge that should not be lost now granted i'll give you that every fucking like it's not a hard list i'm pretty sure every kid has memorized what the list is yeah but i certainly have it's it's the fact that they need the list physically in their hands in order to complete it is 
Now, that's that's an interesting point, because I assumed, as is the way with most things like this, that it was passed down orally, and that Arnold writing it down, committing it to paper, was part of his folly. Um, I disagree, I because I that, that. that paper is so intricately folded that this is something that, like... Yeah, all right. Point. All right. Uh, Sin's my point. Are there any final thoughts about this part of the episode? We've spent an hour no. talking about a Yeah, we spent way minute. too long talking about this one, which is weird because we came to this episode real hype to talk about the next part, which is still really good, but I don't think has quite the level of like monomythical literary significance. No, but I think this is I think it's a pretty significant episode like Anyway, uh, any final thoughts on any final comments that you made that you didn't get to talk about? Uh, no, I, I'm always afraid I'm going to forget, so I usually bring them up uh, at the time. So I have something. Uh, when Arnold is going down the hill, uh, right. when he gets stuck, there are two other bikes that are stuck in the <laughs> asphalt. <laughs> oh, that's very good. And I think we have to take that to mean... That he is not the only one trying for the list today, right? It's possible. Like, I think the thing there is... There are other stories happening. But I think the thing is, like, like, because if you listen to a, a, what a lot of kids were saying at the beginning of the episode, all of them were going to attempt a portion of one thing. list. Yes. It's, it's the, it's the, the trying oh, to do shit, all of Oh shit, you're right. I didn't even catch that. Once. Yeah. Sid said he's going to watch cartoons all day. The other kid said he's going to go play catch in the park. You're absolutely right. They were like, I can do one thing on this list and do it well and not tempt the cruel gods. Um, so two kids, uh, two other kids tried to drive down this hill and got stuck and I thought that was pretty That's good. very good. I did not notice that. That's fantastic. Um, and I think that's, a, that's the only you, thing Steve. that I didn't. Uh, that I didn't write down. Okay, All so right. uh, we're going to move on to the second episode, uh, which uh, my first comment is, this is the first of many, this is not the only one, legitimately scary episodes of Hey Arnold. For real. Viewer um, discretion is advised. So uh, the the hook of this is Arnold's, Arnold and his friends are bored, as kids are uh, in their lives, not realizing right. that they have an infinite amount of time to do whatever they want and that time will slowly creep up on them and disappear i'm already Correct. feeling guilty enough that we've been talking for an hour and a half and it's already noon and i'm like oh my god my day is almost gone and i know i know Tony, and... do you think do you think that boredom is an essential like mental nutrient for children like mm. or for or for humans in general cuz like we we talk about it like it's an inherently bad thing but I mean, like, what if it's what if it's necessary rest? I don't think it is, though. I've never like no? like like as a child. I mean, granted, I'm an adult now and in, in my childhood, but I don't remember ever really being bored as a child. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I I did that uh, I don't think I never really played with toys. Same. Like like toys were never so for me. I would create these like elaborate pretend games in my backyard. Oh, that's uh, very good. With like, like, like intricate storylines, and basically, I would go outside, and usually we had two very, very big trees in our backyard, so sure. I would like find that perfect stick, and it would inspire oh, me. Oh, the to, good stick, the good stick, and and every season there was a different good stick, and I would take that stick, and I would, which like, was the son of the previous good stick, I and I would like, like, 
it's fascinating because I would let the stick speak to me and tell me what that stick wanted to be. That's so Are good. you a sword? Are you a gun? Are you like there was one stick that I remember that like like it was very, very tall and had this like like piece that like kind of jutted up from it that I could step yeah. on and like kind oh. of hold on to like I felt like I was like uh, a guy on like a pirate mast just kind of oh, standing so on good. that thing. Um but like like and then I would just like recreate these stories in my backyard uh and they would last months and months at a time i would like i'd be playing outside i'd get called in i go do my stuff i come back out i'm like okay where was i when i last left off what part of the story am i on now and then i'd pick up my story right back where it, where it, uh where it left off so i don't know that's I've, so I don't... cool yeah i don't think i've ever like really as an adult i feel boredom all the time uh, but that's because I'm old and, uh, time moves differently for us. I don't think boredom, why would boredom be something our bodies need? I, Not I, our bodies necessarily, but our minds. I don't know. We just, we're, we're in an age of constant stimulus and I'm not here to rail against that necessarily. I just find that idleness of any kind in, instead of like being oppressive to my brain, like it is to children. Uh, I find that it makes me anxious because but, I feel but, like I'm wasting time. But I don't feel like boredom and idleness are the same thing. Like, Correct. I yeah, can that's, be that's idle and not Absolutely. doing anything. That doesn't mean you I'm bored. You can be bored. meaningfully still. Yeah. But boredom is, is the need for stimulus and none of the stimulus is. Either you have a lack of stimulus or none of the stimulus you are trying to do is satiated. But doesn't that foster an appreciation for stimulus when it comes to? Because, like, in my day, and you know, I've got I've got more video games probably than I'd be able to play in my lifetime just on my Switch alone because the Switch has made it very easy to buy video games, which is not a good thing for my bank account. But like, if you go straight from video game to video game to video game forever, instead of just like, man, I can't wait to play this one game that one time and then really enjoy the experience. Like, it's really easy to just be not automatically bored with a video game, but, like, if you're always playing them, if you're always stimulated, then no matter how good the new thing you're playing is, it's not going to hit you the same way. Right. As if you had been... As if you've had nothing to do for months. If you've been waiting for the new Final Fantasy to come out for six months, which is your whole life when you're a kid, and then when Final Fantasy IX finally drops and you block off your whole weekend, and it's uh, and it's incredible because you had nothing else to do. Um, instead of just like passively playing Puzzle Quest and similar for months at yeah, a time. Yeah, I, I bought Borderlands 3 yesterday and I still haven't played it. Right? One day you'll have the time. Well, I have all the what? time. What the fuck? Right you're, now. I was gonna say you're in quarantine. What the hell? I still have to go to work. What's your fucking excuse? Uh, my fucking excuse is I realized that I, I, I'm not a console player. I play on my computer. Um, Fair. I found out my graphics card is too out of date to play it. Oh no! So I had to, I had to oh, spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a new graphics card, and I'm just going to shove Weeps. it in. And that's the nice thing about about computers is you don't have to buy a new system uh, to play any new games. Uh, you just have to upgrade old material as games become more advanced. This machine is ten years old. Yikes. Uh, uh, it has a new hard drive. The only thing that hasn't changed is its motherboard, because if I replace the motherboard, I basically have to replace the entire computer. Uh, right. But I've like upgraded the. 
I've upgraded the video card twice. Like I've, I've, uh, I've upgraded my hard drive. Like it's, it's a pretty like solid machine and it's going to give me a few more years of, of really solid work before I definitely have to get a new one. But until then, like until my motherboard actually fails on me, I'm, I'm keeping with it. Um, Fair enough. Anyways, uh, the kids in the town, uh, the kids in the neighborhood are bored. Uh, and Grandpa, uh, being the uh, tailor of tall tales that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of uh, the Gerald of the grown-ups. But I think, I, I think like, unlike Gerald, Gerald is the 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 messenger, the, the, the Hermes, keeper. The Mercury. The, the keeper of the tales. Um, right. Um, Grandpa's the Homer. Grandpa's the person who's making these tales. Grandpa's the person who's making these tales up. The Morpheus, I see. Um, so, uh, they start talking and Grandpa's like, have you guys heard the, the tale of the haunted train? Uh, and he goes and he tells this story about, uh, uh, a conductor. I got it right here. Forty years ago, old Engine 25 was headed for the station when the engineer went mad and drove his train off the tracks. Now, mind you, this doesn't mean it crashes. It means he just turns left and the train just takes off into the woods. Like in Final Fantasy VI. They never saw him or the train again. Some say he drove it straight to, you know, Midtown? Downtown. All the way downtown. To the very most southern point. Wow, he drove all the way to the South Pole. No! He drove the train straight down to the fiery underworld. I think he calls it heck. Does he say heck? <laughs> I think maybe later, but uh But he definitely says fiery underworld at yeah. that point. So every year on the anniversary, uh the train arrives to abduct unwary travelers with a hypnotic light, a horrible smell, unearthly music, and eventually into the zone of darkness and fiery damnation that await therein. So, uh the kids uh most of the kids are like, "Oh my god, that's so crazy. We should try to figure out if we could go on." Oh, uh, an important side note is tonight is the anniversary of when the guy drove his train off what? the train tracks. What a crazy random happenstance. Yeah, just so happens that the, the day that Arnold's grandpa is telling the story is the same day that this happens. Funny how that works out. Um so uh Arnold and Boy, Gerald Phil- Phil is seeding this whole thing here. He says, you know what tonight is, don't you? It's the 40th anniversary. I'd sure hate to be at the old train station tonight. Oh, ho, the one on 53rd past Livingston, you know, next to the tire shop there. <laughs> and this is this is one of the craziest things for me is uh-huh. the kids are really, like, like free to do whatever the fuck they want right, in the he is city. just encouraging these children to leave the house at midnight and go investigate a like a uh, what do you call it when it's uh when it's all shut down cuz it's dangerous abandoned um it's not abandoned like uh what what's it condemned he's telling them to go investigate and play in and explore a condemned railroad station in the middle of the fucking night alone and, and these kids like like 
like there's no scene where they're like, oh, we have to make an excuse to sneak out of our houses. Nope. Like, oh, dad, I'm staying over at Arnold's house. Oh, dad, I'm staying over at Gerald's house. Oh, we think they're staying over at each other's houses. No, they just right. get up from their houses. They leave their bedrooms and just uh, F off to downtown to certainly they to do. go to an abandoned train station. Uh, so Gerald and Arnold are like, we got to check this out. That train is definitely haunted. We need to see that. Helga uh unknown skeptic uh is i I, i'm trying to remember it it really sucks it's been so long since i watched this episode but she does say that she needs she needs like she wants she needs physical evidence infrared photography ectoplasmic samples visible energy fields yeah which is great because she's talking in the language of something she claims she doesn't believe exists yeah. Well, that's the thing. Skeptics are the ones who are like, fuck you, I need every single one of these things to prove it to me. Skeptics probably know more about why ghosts don't exist than people who believe that's in ghosts. True. Um but uh, so I wrote Helga knows the value of checking her sources. It really spoke to right. me as the kind of person who who uh, has always been a I need to see this to believe you kind of person. Uh yeah. uh it's really good to see her just be like I need all of these things before I'll even begin to believe it. Um, Whereas Arnold, conversely, is a man of faith and uh, challenges Helga to meet them at the old train station one hour after the streetlights go off, after the streetlight killer has returned to his (laughs) bowling alley. So what's interesting, there's a really interesting bit here where, like, Arnold and Helga are squaring off. They are literally nose to nose, but it isn't romantic tension. Like, this isn't Helga, like trying to prove her worth as a potential romantic interest to Arnold, but this is like a personal, no, 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 I need to see this through because of who I am. This is me, Helga, the individual, saying what you're saying is bullshit. And I just thought that was an interesting character development. Well, what's, but it's it's fascinating because this speaks to Helga. Helga... Helga's hatred for Arnold is just as genuine as her love for Arnold. It's not a situation where she is a bully because she... She likes him, and the reason she bullies him is because she has misplaced right. affection. She her, doesn't yeah, has her. have mis- misplaced affection for him. She is she wears her affection for Arnold on the heart uh, on the heart of her like on her sleeve, like right. like a sleeve, her heart a sleeve is that on she's her wearing sleeve. an outer layer over. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's not there. Like like she unabashedly loves him and unabashedly hates him at the same time. So Correct. this is this is not her her crush on him. This is. Fuck Arnold. Arnold's a piece of shit. He he doesn't know yep. what he's talking about. And I'm going and, to go and do this to prove him wrong. And in that respect, her love for him is kind of the healthiest romantic focus we see on the show. Because almost every other directly addressed, I know, I know, Phoebe and Gerald, I know. But no, like that's other... not my... Okay, she... well, we'll get... okay. Well, what I mean, what I mean is that Arnold's attraction to Ruth, as we discussed in the last one... Uh, is completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is completely infatuation. Uh, infatuation. It's completely unrealistic. It's not based on any quality of who Ruth is. And if I recall, later on when he actually spends some time with her, uh, he realizes that uh, a shadow and an idea was all that he had loved. Whereas Helga sees Arnold like any real person in a real relationship, which would would have to, which is to say, there are these things I like about you and these things I don't, and one doesn't hide the other. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Helga, Helga's 
it's it's deeply unhealthy. Helga's obsession with Arnold is deeply unhealthy. Like well, yeah. like it there she she may have the most genuine actual real physical love for this person not just in the most clearly seeing love. Yeah. But is, is what I meant. Healthy is... healthy wasn't the right way to put that. I just mean that she sees Arnold with eyes clear. She has a a I don't have we gotten to that episode have we already talked about that episode the hat uh where yes. you see just the the monument the shrine of Arnold yeah. made from the his edifice. refuse like yeah. it's disgusting and okay it's... I see my point dissolving before my eyes Tony I just Christ. mean that like that like so so much so much portrayal of romantic interest in media and in real life is like this person is perfect and they have no flaws and I love everything about them and I will forever and just to just to see that like l- look I like this person a lot but also he's a piece of shit sometimes like yeah. I I think that particular aspect of her attraction to him is at least fairly realistic and healthy <laughs> not not the lengths to which she takes it so they leave their houses at around midnight. They head to the abandoned train station. And this place is super abandoned. This isn't like just like, like they have to like break in. We're doing the blues background. The what background? The blues background. Cause they sing the blues song in a minute. Oh yeah. Never mind. Uh, Go on. Start over. I have ADD. So you started That's humming, fair. and I'm like, am I am I boring you? Or do you not no, care? No, I'm sorry. Uh, also, so, that's not a thing people do. Nobody hums when they're bored. Go on. Um, they they leave their houses. They head to the abandoned trade station, which is super abandoned. Like yeah. like uh, they have to break in. Uh, one thing that I think was really interesting is Probably they're illegal. all walking through Helga face first into a spider web. Uh, spiders yep. are crawling all over her face, and she does not scream. She does not freak nope. out. She does not stop crying. She realizes there are spiders on her face. She kind of pats her face a few times to get the spiders off and gets on with her fucking lives. Like, I know yeah. me, and I know I would be a sobbing ball of hysterical mess if a spider landed on me, period. Like, yeah. like to just have a bunch of them crawling all over her face, and she's like, fuck it. I don't care. My dad's abusive. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. It's... There's there's like a baseline human reaction to interacting with a spider. Like it's a it's a it's a primal genetic thing that's built into us. Like even if you don't especially have a problem with them, very few people are like, "No, I'm comfortable with spiders. This little homie crawling across my arm is cool." But like, yeah, that is not a natural reaction. I myself am friends with the spider community, so I know that no spider I should encounter in my daily life would give me harm or have reason to impede me in any way. I told you the story about how I became friends of the. I bet how about how about how I became friends with the spiders? No. Okay, so I was at work. I went down to the bathroom. There's a spider in the bathroom. Spider don't belong in there. Spider got no business in the men's room. So I take some time. I scoop the spider up. I take him outside. I put him on the leaves. And while I'm out in the bathroom, I go down the uh, the vendo, get myself a Pepsi Cola, right? So I buy the Pepsi Cola with my phone. I just tap the thing on, and it goes voot. Out comes the Pepsi Cola. And out of the change slot comes a quarter, even though I paid with my phone. So I like to think that there was a spider inside working all the gears, like with his eight legs. He's got like a little control center, and he's punching buttons and pulling levers. And he's like, here's a little something from your homies on the inside, on the web. We see you out there. You're just like, good looking out. Fascinating. Yeah, I got homies in the web. 
It's good. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm a friend to the spider. I'm a friend to every creature I don't like. I try, I don't want to hurt things and kill things. I try to put as many things outside as I possibly can. Unless it's a scorpion. I, uh, I, I save spiders because spiders are more beneficial than not. They are nature's pest control. Uh, it's but true. They you are put nature's a wasp Nigel. in front of me and I'm going to kill the fucking shit out of yeah, that wasp. Fuck wasps. Fuck wasps forever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they're sitting at the train station. They chill at the train station for a, a couple few hours. Um, and, and what, in one of the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant scenes in this show, uh, Arnold pulls out his harmonica because I think it's been established that Arnold just has a harmonica on him at all times. Correct. Uh, and Gerald improvises a blues yep. song. <laughs> yep. Because uh, I think there's no way that they could have known that they were going to be here forever. They just, nope. um, they just started singing the song. I I can't tell you what the name of the like what the lyrics of the song are. I don't have that kind of memory. Unless Casey wrote well. them down. <clears throat> they say he lost his mind, went crazy on that day. He ran his train right off the tracks. And drove it straight to, hey, where's the engineer? Been waiting all night long. Better show up soon or I'ma have to say so long. Woohoo! Been waiting on the haunted train. And because I have young nephews and a lot of veggie tales in my life, there was more than a little bit of, whoa, I ate the bunny in there. But that is the upshot. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mr. Nezzer. So yes, they they essentially they sum up the episode in a little miniature musical interlude, and I do want to give them props in a way that I can't possibly recreate. When Gerald goes woo hoo, Arnold also blasts his harp to imitate a a train's horn, which yep. is very good. It's really awesome. Helga's out of patience. She's about to uh, call it a night. When in the distance, a haunted hooting and engine twenty five pulls up, and the kids board. The mystery ghost train, because what are they going to do? Not. <laughs> well, they 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 assert that they were drawn into the train uh, right. by a ghostly glow that hypnotized, hypnotized them into joining the train. Um, in reality, they, of course, they're going to get on the train. They've been waiting all night right. long for this this train to come. Uh, so the train takes off. And pretty much everything that Grandpa tells them is going to happen in the train happens to the train. Uh, Correct. The lights the... flicker. There's a terrible smell. There's an unearthly ear splitting in human music. I say, I said it's a smelly smell, a kind of smell that smells. Does it smell smelly? Well, it's 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 sulfur, but uh, it's a it's a SpongeBob joke. Yeah, I know. That's why it's a smelly smell that smells smelly. I was trying to complete the joke. I thought we were thought we were handing the baton. I thought it was. I thought it was a, a smelly smell, I, the kind no. of smell that smells. No, I Does smell a smelly smell that smells smelly. Are you sure? No. <laughs> Never mind. Smell. So, smell. Helga, uh, as is the case of every skeptic who has been confronted with proof incontrovertible of what she swore up and down not to believe has devolved into a gibbering mess, uh, saying, I do believe in mad engineers, I do believe in mad haunted trains, I do, I do. Oh, why must I be cursed with such an inquisitive nature? 
again, I love that that they make these kids very, very intelligent and don't try to dumb it down for the children watching. Uh, right. Helga uses these big words, and there's no stop in like explaining. Well, what does inquisitive nature mean? What does all these right. words mean? She just says what she needs to say. Uh, I also wrote, "Oh, why must I be cursed with such an inquisitive nature?" Uh, at yeah. this point in time, uh, the most unearthly sound uh, approaches from. Uh, behind Helga. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're in the zone of darkness. The light yeah. outside is red and fiery as if that of Hades. Um, and who should appear but the yep. one, the only, Brainy. Um, yep. How how did Brainy end up on this fucking train? <laughs> like, the, the station <laughs> is small. They yep. were there the entire night. So he um, must have been on beforehand. Like, he just, like, well, that's what he, Brainy lives well, on the train, say, man. <laughs> they say, Brainy, what are you doing here? And he says, uh, I don't know. And then they <laughs> throw him off the train. Yeah, that would have killed him. That would have killed him. But here's the thing. They throw him off, but stay on themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, they're going to ride this out, but Brady's a piece of shit know. who... who... I, I think if you jumped into the pond, you'd probably be okay. I think you'd probably be all right, depending on how deep nah, it is. The, that, that surface tension uh, going that fast is going well, to like, an break angle, bones. You do feet out. Yeah, you'll be all right. Whatever. Did you know that Voicey... Voicey no. Did you know that Brady's voiced by Craig Bartlett? I had no idea. That makes me happy. Yeah, it's like uh, right. It's like a uh, Mike Sure playing, uh, playing brother uh, cousin Moe's in in the office. Really, and... I didn't know that either. That makes me happy. Yeah, very good. So, yes, they drive through West Heck, and uh, when the train pulls into a stop, they make ready the fire hose and drench the devil himself as he boards the train. Oh no, wait, it's just a steel mill. We just drenched the main blue-collar character from a movie in the 80s about how America's production centers are moving out of rural and into the cities, and it's a hard time to be a working man out there just trying to provide for your family in the coal mines of North Dakota. All right, what I want to know is, because you see the train driving into the steel mill. Right. But they're driving into the steel mill. This is not a station in front of a steel mill. It's not adjacent. Like, like it just goes straight inside the steel mill. You see flaming, like, cauldrons of bubbling whatever they make steel out of on each side. And. Steel. What's steel made out of, though? Steel. No. Crab. Yep. Dreams. Yep. Steel is made when you take iron and add carbon. Okay. Why didn't you just tell me that yeah. at the beginning instead of being an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this is a steel mill. These guys all uh, work here. Um, and, you know, nobody nobody dies. They meet the engineer. Um, and the engineer says, well, I guess you guys don't like polka then, which explains it. And the lights are flickering. Every, every instance of every haunted icon uh, they have observed is explained. Which makes me wonder, like, did they only notice those things because those were the things Phil set them up to look for? Uh, uh, maybe. I, I, I think... I, I don't know. This entire episode doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you really get it down doesn't to it's it. really dreamlike and it's like way. it's like everything is super coincidental i mean i guess the train comes every single night uh right. through that abandoned train station um but, but wait who was it picking up 
I think it just, yeah, that's another question. If the train station is abandoned, nobody is going in or out of it. Why the fuck did that train stop? Number two, why is the guy playing accordion instead of driving the train? Like, that's a two-handed thing, and I know that trains Tony, have a, no. a dead man's we've handle. Seen, no, we've seen Marge versus the monorail. Driving a train is not hard. You just tie the handle down with a belt, you're good to go. It's a monorail, not a train. They're different. Yeah. Mono means one, and rail means rail. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I don't see the point um, you're trying to make. <laughs> although I do think this explains what Brainy was doing there. I think Brainy's dad probably works at the mill. Well, Jesus Christ, they just fucking... Brainy's dad's going to come onto the train and be like, where the fuck is Where's my son? Where's my son? son? <laughs> but, but again, why is... why Brainy has this, like, there's probably school the next day. Why probably. is Brainy... Uh, on a train at midnight waiting for his dad to pick him up. Well, okay, see, here's the thing. We didn't see Brainy get on at the station, so if he was on the whole time and it wasn't just a rule of funny thing, then presumably he got on at an earlier stop. Maybe he was just going to pick his dad up at the end of his Why shift. is he picking his dad up? He's a nine-year-old at midnight picking up his well, grown-ass dad. I mean, he's, from... he's a nine-year-old with the level of autonomy that any of these kids have. All of these kids should be better supervised. Okay, so I was listening to the greatest no it wasn't the greatest generation it was the other show they do friendly fire it's a very good show where they talk about war movies um in a very interesting academic way i think you'd like it a lot but they were talking about terminator 2 also known as terminator the good one and that's not true the first terminator was pretty good it was just a horror movie not an action movie but actionized sequels are what james cameron is good at so here's hoping that avatar 2 uh will be the aliens of the avatar series but they were talking about how um there are three hosts on that show and two of them are um, like a little older than we are. They're old millennials. And one of them, John Roderick of the Long Winters, uh, is, uh, he's, he's definitely Gen X. And they were talking about how they viewed, you're familiar with Terminator 2. Yeah. Okay. So you know that John, John Connor is living with this foster family and they were right. talking about how they view these foster parents in completely opposite terms. The two other hosts who are closer to your and my age, um, we're talking about these foster parents like they were borderline abusive or negligent, like for the way that they didn't interact with John. They never knew where John was. Uh, you know, they, they just essentially treated him as someone who lived there instead of a child they were in charge of. And the other guy, John Roderick, who's much older, laughed his ass off and said it was fascinating because when he was growing up, if you were a kid, this kid is in foster care. He's not being beaten He's not being, you know, sold into slavery or anything. He's not being abused on the daily. And so, like, just that he is being given food and shelter and not actively abused meant that they were amazing foster parents. Yeah. And I, I think that's an interesting way to look at this because, like, in, in the time when Hey Arnold aired, you know, because every, as we've talked about, the beginning of every decade is really just the tail end of the last one, right? So the 90s was really the post-80s for a long time. Right. And in the 80s, kids did still have this autonomy. Like, kids could just still go do stuff. But as our they could They could get on a bike and have an adventure. Exactly. They really could in a town called Spencer's Folly, Alaska Nadia. But, like, as our childhoods drew to a close, that became less the norm and knowing where your kids were at all times became 
de rigueur. Um, Which it's is one of the few. Go on. It's crazy because, like, with the advent of cell phones, you would think that kids would have been able to get more autonomy because they're able to call their think. parents. But like, it, uh, and you know, the other thing is we're adults now, and and I don't know, maybe it's just our generation thing. But if I see a kid under the age of like ten walking down any kind of main street. I'm like, what the oh, fuck is this kid doing? Where is his parents? Panic. Yeah. Why the fuck is this kid out and around? Like, like, it's 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 fascinating. Like, I remember by the time I was 14, uh, I got my own bus pass and I was able to do whatever I wanted in the city because my mom didn't have to drive me anywhere. <laughs> Name, Thony, born, yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just, you know, parents who were complaining about the technology and the cell phones, do you want to go back to the time where if you didn't know exactly where your child was, you couldn't get a hold of them? Like, it's it's just a different thing. And I think the constant connectedness, and I, I'm definitely not complaining about that, but like, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little piece younger than my missus, and she didn't grow up with cell phones quite the way we did. And so to her, like, every text is a distinct thing it's not like one running conversation so when you know if she just decides to go to the shop or something after work like and and doesn't text me about it like i don't know where she is i assume she's gonna be coming home but she comes from a generation where it was like no i'm just gonna go do stuff i'll be home when i'm home don't worry about it it doesn't mean i'm dead you know um i don't know i don't know where that was supposed to go but it's just interesting that these children do have this autonomy to be out Riding the rail, picking up their dad at midnight. What's going on in the Brainy household? <laughs> Is everything does, okay? <laughs> does Brainy live on the train? Did they just forcibly oh, no. remove Brainy from this from this steel mill worker's train? That is his home. Is, this is home. Is Brainy? Does Brainy need to be reported to the DES or like children's or services? Brainy isn't an actual real physical person in this world, and okay. is only there to uh, serve as a foil to. Helga, a goof um, spirit, but the others he, can see. He seems her. to always be there. Yeah, uh, he is in, always in, there, lurking in, in ways that like are kind of like when you really sit down and think about it, kind of impossible. Improbable. Yeah, yeah, improbable, impossible for him to actually have been there at that moment in time. Uh, but he is. Yeah, but they get home safe. Everybody's fine, um, except Brainy, presumably, who is because they're on this train for a while. So Brainy is out. <laughs> In the middle of a lake somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but Phil is pretty impressed with them. And uh, Arnold says, I think you set us up, Grandpa. Well, at least you weren't bored, were you? Yeah. There is no haunted train, is there? No, I didn't say that. And this is the first introduction to something that I think is fascinating about the Hey Arnold universe. And that is that ghosts actually fucking exist in this universe. Yep, there are like in ours. several. No, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> there are several. Uh, there are several episodes. And like I said, this is one of the first. And I think like every year, I don't know if it's the Halloween episode or if it's just each year they do a scary each season they do a scary episode. Um, but at the very end of the episode, you see a train going through, and the train goes off the tracks, and it's it's definitely that haunted train of the story. And we are treated uh-huh. to another fucking bop, uh, which is one of the best songs in the entire series. Again, yes. don't have don't have the lyrics for it. I didn't. I have don't have the... that either. But no, it is it is tremendously spookle pated, uh, and. 
is it's just because it's clearly the same guy. It's the one-handed engineer because his hand, the dead man's hand on the dead man's switch was thrown free in the crash. Uh, yeah. And he's just sitting on front of his train, which begs the question, who's driving the train? Answer, train is. And uh, just singing his horrible, creepy Well, it's already been established that, that a guy can play the accordion, which is a two-handed uh, instrument. That's true. On a train while the train is moving, so. That's true. That is, there is precedent for that. Uh, uh, yes. Very good. Very spookalsome. But yeah, there's going to be a few more episodes that are, again, uh, they, are, they hear a ghost story. And then they investigate said ghost story. Uh, they mm. find out that the ghost story isn't real. And then you find out that the ghost story is real. Um, uh-huh. And one time, Stinky is a vampire. Uh, I remember that one. Uh, yeah. My favorite My favorite of these ghost stories is the Headless Cabbie. But that is in a way later season. Way, way further. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, don't that. you worry. Uh, but any final, any final thoughts you have on uh, this episode? I don't think so. Um, I love that Phil is uh, something of a bard, something of a of a lore master who tells. Because Gerald tells the story at hand. Gerald tells the story they're talking about, and Phil makes up whatever story is appropriate for the moment. And I I like that a lot. Uh, but he tells a true story in the telling of a false story, and he's kind of a trickster in that way. I like that a lot. No, it was just great. It was fun. Uh, it was real spooky, and we got some good harmonica in there, and then it turns out there's a train ghost, and I'm not going to pretend I don't love that. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything either. Um, I think I pretty much covered everything. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's the end of the episode, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you like this show, uh, there are a lot of other shows on our podcast network. Uh, title, name, to be determined. TBD. Uh, that's not the name of our podcast network. Please don't look up TBD because you're not going to find us. That's not the name of our podcast network podcasts. Uh, right now we're still under the semi-automagic name. Uh, look us up under semiautomagicinc.com. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon feed uh, so we can buy uh, life-saving equipment like this fancy new microphone that I have yeah. or ad space on other podcasts in order to uh, advertise us to get more listeners. Um, if, you subscribe, the universe. if you subscribe to our Patreon feed, you get access to these episodes way early. In fact, if you're listening to the episode right now, more than likely you're listening to it as a Patreon uh because we are releasing all these episodes at least for a few months before we actually release them to the general public. Uh, That's true. You get bonus content, like Casey and I just talking about whatever we want for an hour before we actually start recording. <laughs> it's true. I don't remember what this episode's pre-show was about, but I feel safe in assuming it is vital to your life. Exactly. Um, so you can listen to The Final Podlum, where uh, Casey and his friend Nick uh, go through and talk about the Sherlock Holmes canon. Uh, you can follow uh, Casey, Dylan, and Christina uh, in what I think is probably our new flagship, flagship show, Dice and Virtue, in which they yep. do Dungeons and Dragons adventures. Um, you can listen to Casey Dungeons and I, Dragons. Uh, Casey, me, and uh, Nigel uh, put on a Kids and Bikes adventure with Peculiar Objects. 
which should also be releasing around the same time that this episode is releasing. Uh, and uh, what is possibly any other number of podcast shows that uh, we will have created by the time this is released to the general public. Some possibly not even featuring me. That's never going to happen. God willing and the crick don't rise. I just, I um, got the FOMO. I got the FOMOP. Fear of missing out on podcast. The FOMOOP. Um, if you like this, if you want to comment, FOMOOP. if you want to tell us your favorite uh, train-based ghost story, please uh, t- tweet us at uh, the Gerald Field Report on Twitter. That's the name of it, right? <laughs> Tony, did you, uh, did you call a train? Yep, I did. Oh, okay, cool. I just want to make sure this wasn't here for somebody else. No, yeah, it's for me. It's okay, cool. Yeah, no, you can find us on Twitter at the GF Report. Uh, yeah, and you can tweet at us. Let us know whether or not you think we should get on this spooky train that has mysteriously appeared in both of our recording studios at the same time. Uh, tell us, tell us what your uh, ideal Saturday list is as a child. Like, let us know what yeah. your list would be that you would try to attempt. Um, yeah, let us know what at. crazy ghost stories your bullshit liar of a grandpa told you. Um, as always, guys, uh, please, uh, if life gets you down. Wearing a frown. Don't look away. Look up. And if but a haunted I, train... I had a bad day. I, I hate my dumb life. I'm down, Thony. Uh, when you're feeling <laughs> under the weather... <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's all. That's, look. <laughs> that's the entire time. That's the entire... Uh, and the big world is getting to you. But yes. And what else? Um, and if a haunted train... Uh, comes and approaches the abandoned train station that you've been sitting at all night, get on that train. You never know what kind of adventure you have. And as always, guys, please stay football-headed. Touchdown. Head. Football head. Football points. Foot. Violet buddies! You've ruined my my outro. Thank you, Casey. (laughs) Bye, everybody. And here we have uh, one of our favorite recurring bits, which, it, but nope, not recurring bitch. That's not what I said at all. My mouth betrayed me because there was spit.